We're starting things off with a word from our sponsor. Since 1998, DVD Netflix has delivered more than 5 billion DVD and Blu-ray rentals to movie lovers in every American zip code and to military bases around the world in their famous, iconic red envelopes. With an extensive library of titles from the early 1900s to today and shows from such premium networks as HBO and Showtime, DVD Netflix is a must for physical media lovers. Featuring a variety of different plans starting at as little as $8.99 per month, it's a great way to experience DVDs and Blu-rays with special features and commentary tracks you won't find anywhere else. A member for over 20 years, so well before I ever began working with the service as an official blogger on acting or as a DVD, Netflix, Twitter, film discussion host, I think it's a terrific way to keep our vintage video store memories alive and support the physical media that we love so much. So be sure to check out DVD Netflix for yourself at dvd.com. Now on with the show. Hey, this is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen. Well, today I am the luckiest host because I'm joined by not one, but two of my favorite guys, Rob Belushi and Jordan Harper, an actor, former host of the excellent Game Show Network series, Get a Clue, longtime improv teacher at Second City, plus a writer, producer, entrepreneur, and gifted impressionist. Rob Belushi is a loyal and caring husband, father, friend, son, and a man who wears many hats. In his last two appearances on Watch with Jen, Rob joined me to help cover the FX series Mr. In-Between and also went back in time to discuss a handful of Steven Soderbergh's best movies from his late 90s, early aught heyday. And returning alongside Rob, we have the podcast's very first guest, the Edgar Award-winning author of She Rides Shotgun, The Last King of California, Everybody Knows, as well as the screenwriter and producer of such series as The Mentalist, Gotham, and Hightown, we have Mr. Jordan Harper. Although you've heard him on a wide variety of episodes so far, including ones devoted to David Mamet, Preston Sturges, and others. Most recently, we discussed the Hong Kong Infernal Affairs trilogy on the second to the last physical media episode in season three, and also the topic of crime families as well that tied in with Last King of California. In addition to seeing and interacting with our two guests frequently online, I've been so fortunate to have seen them both in the past few weeks when life brought these LA boys to Phoenix. So guys, I want to thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? And how's 2023 treating you so far? It's been great. It's been great. Um, you know, the best part of 2023, I think, is um, some of these uh, um, digital friendships have been made physical. Uh, and, you know, you're a big fan of physical media. Now I know why. When you can hug a friend, it, it feels <laughs> strong. Yeah. Um, but th things are great. Um, and, uh, you know, getting to hang out with people more, which is, you know, a... Uh, 
a wonderful adjustment to a, a type of um, solitary isolation that I slipped into very easily. So, but yeah, it's going to be a good year, an interesting year. So far, so good. And um, got to see you recently, which you touched on. I also got to see Jordan a little bit yeah. in K-Town for lunch, but also at his fantastic reading, not reading, but Q&A uh, with S.A. Cosby at Roman's Bookstore in Pasadena, talking about Everybody Knows. And I got my own signed copy, um, which made me giggle. And, you know, just the 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 conciliary of cool, just listening to him speak for a while about art and himself as an artist was like incredibly inspiring. So um, yes, yeah, it, it, it was cool. It was really cool. I, I am. I have to admit I, I am. And uh, that was a really fun <laughs> night, which started with having uh, dinner at uh, the uh, excellent prime pizza in Burbank, where uh, S.A. Cosby and his wife, Kim, and I were joined uh by Rob and Rob's friend. Uh, Patrick, yep. Patrick, who is a really good guy. Thank you. Sorry, Patrick. And a bunch of and, bikers. Uh, and then a bunch of bikers who who were at the table next to us and, and ended up giving our beers or their beers to some of the people at the table. And uh, and Rob <laughs> got up and, and grabbed a photo with the whole gang. And uh, <laughs> that, that to me is that's, that's the inspirational uh, moment for for Rob there was was he just he just got in with them and these were guys these weren't this wasn't like a, a biking club these were guys with like cuts and you know yeah, yeah it looked like sons of anarchy basically the photo wow they, yes <laughs> um that great episode of sons of anarchy that Rob was in and um yeah. and uh hey you so were on Mayans right were I you was on Mayans Mayan, yes yeah I was okay yeah. I, Yep. I don't want to totally stop the the podcast here, but like, tell us about well, who did you play on on the Mayans? Oh my gosh, uh, you know, small part. Uh, I played uh, the boyfriend of one of the characters. It was quick. I can't even remember his name. That's oh, that's all right. That's, that's how just, much. It's okay. So you were like a you were I like a, a mall. You were a civilian. You weren't. I did was. you get? Oh bummer! You didn't get to do the whole biker thing. I did not, which is probably good for their insurance and my <laughs> health care because I don't know what what weight bike I could handle, but it's probably an e-bike. But um, no, just a couple scenes when I, you know, someone comes to like take our baby and I get I got shot off screen. So um, oh wow! But you know, I really put my all into that ADR before the death. Yeah, I really. Mm -hmm. I really is my best, my best voice work. Um, but it was cool. Like, the, it, you know, that, that, uh, that set is very much a crew, you know, and the, the showrunner was the director and, um, the, the guy who replaced, uh, Kurt Sutter. What's his name? Kurt, Kurt yeah. Sutter. Um, great guy, caring guy. In fact, they had to like reshoot it a couple of times. And, uh, you know, a funny story was like, this is how, like solipsistic and self-centered I, I i want to say all actors are but definitely me you know <laughs> they, they, he did it he did like one of the scenes all in, in a really long one -er. and there were like uh there was a baby there was a lot of movement there was um a fight and like a broken plate glass window and they did it all and then i guess they had to uh then they tried to like it wasn't really working, I guess. And I came in and had to 
do all that whole scene over in ADR actually. And then they called back and reshot the whole thing. <laughs> and in my mind, it was all because of me. <laughs> you know what I mean, like that I had ruined the show. And to the point where I like, I, I told the director, I was like, Hey man, look, I'm, I'm, I feel like I really let you down and the scene wasn't working because of me. And he was like, Oh no, dude, what? No, no, I'm sorry, man. The network didn't want a one and I should have told you that dude. I'm so sorry. And like, I just, I got the, you know, I got the, the doubts. I call them the doubts, the sickness, you mm. know, when, when you get up in your head, I'm like, they flew, you know, my, uh, scene partner in from like Israel to do one day reshoot. It was just, but anyway, wow. That's uh, just awesome. a funny little story about how insane I am and, uh, prone <laughs> to self aggrandizement. Like they're going to bring 200 people back to set to reshoot because, you know, their guests are a blue line or two or whatever. It's just really <laughs> very brand for Rob. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. You care, man. Rob yeah. can do better. Let's get, bring everyone back. Uh, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah. But those, those, those bikers at prime, um, those bikers at Prime are really nice guys. I think they were Armenian or... They were uh, Armenian, yeah. They were Armenian, yeah. It was an Armenian crew, which was, I find in my neighborhood, um, where there are there, there's a large Armenian population, as we've discussed. My across-the-street neighbor is a uh, G, um, but <laughs> very welcoming and warm, which is a great... Uh, a uh, sphere of energy inside of a cut it up biker crew, you know, ripping yeah. beers at a pizza spot in Burbank. So it was a fun mm-hmm. day. But Jordan's so good at like swiftly evading how cool it was to watch him and Sean talk books and writing and story and crime and art and uh, expression and like how do you tell a story that only you can tell? And it was very invigorating and honest and also tasteful and aesthetic and cool. It was, <laughs> it was a really cool experience. My buddy Patrick was like flipping out afterwards. I know it was so really, I could have seen it. Oh my God. Well, we, I, I think where the plan is, at least what I said to Sean, that we should do it again. When all the sinners bleed come out, he should come back out and we'll just yeah. do it again and flip, flip roles, you know? And, uh, and just do it again because it was a great. I mean, we had a, an amazing turnout, which is not always the case when you do book events. You know, yeah. it is a it is a roll of the dice. I did one immediately after that. That was like uh, I think there were four people in the audience, and you just go okay. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and uh, and you just have to. Even if it is specifically about you, you have to go. Oh, it's not about me. It's like. Yeah. You know, the, the, there's there's a lot going on here. So, yeah. uh, but that was awesome. It was it was really fun to do that. You know why they didn't fly your scene partner in from Israel? And <laughs> thank you. People yes, knew. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, and he was awesome when he was here for uh, doing a conversation with the owner Patrick at Poison Pen and one of the reporters at the Arizona Republic. It was kind of funny. This woman in the audience kept looking at me, and I didn't know what the deal was and after she's like friend jen i follow you on twitter i know your bangs 
And it was really, really funny. So it was another reporter who was from here who was so excited. And she kept taking pictures of Jordan. And so at first I thought, well, Jordan's got quite a fan here. Like, And so I asked if you know she wanted a photo with you. And no, she was just wanting to document it because she's a writer herself. And so, yeah, it was a really cool evening. I love listening to Jordan talk about his writing process and his thoughts on telling stories and always very inspiring oh thank you no that was it's really so, fun too it, that, that was good go ahead Rob. it's so funny jen because um jordan has become you know a, a, a bud for sure but i met him i was first I, well jordan actually wrote an episode of the mentalist that i was on way back, which we found out you know very we, we didn't really hang out then but um we crossed paths there but I was turned on to Jordan by you and this first podcast that you did with him as a guest. And I picked up She Rides Shotgun because of that. And then we all met in the Twitter sphere and then yeah. in the Zoom sphere and then in person. But it's it all it all started from the flowing Niagara Falls of influence of <laughs> Jen Johans. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, we should really be bringing Blake on here because he's kind of, you know, the glue that... Uh, put us all together or most of us so yeah but i'm so glad you guys are here to discuss gambling movies with me rob i know when i was throwing out um ideas we were going back and forth over text you finally came up with one you're like i'm in vegas right now we're doing gambling movies and then we just started going back and forth with a million different movies and i knew as soon as we brought up rounders that we had to bring Jordan on for it because I think it was in the very first episode, we went on a little rounders conversation, uh, Jordan and I, because Jordan loves that movie. It's kind of like a comfort movie. And so I was just excited to get you guys together. Talk to me about gambling movies, Rob. So there are a lot of gambling movies and a lot of great gambling movies. And the three we're talking about today, I feel like are pretty, you know, more recent and Jordan hit me to one that I'm uh, started and is already awesome. But which one? These a uh, uh, pale flower. Oh yes, we watched it in our movie club. Jordan's yeah, it's, it's right. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. So these are by no means like the seminal gambling movies, but like they are the first three that come to mind when I think of like the hot like the the addict addiction dopamine rush of gambling like the absolute highs and the devastating lows i mean there's the gambler too there's so many good ones and and you could tie yeah um gambling and like heart eight you said you talked about it's another great one but um Mm -hmm. uh, i like these gambling movies to me are great because um a it's it's like a adrenal gland that is easy to tap into for me. Um, I'm a you know piece of shit, and like so, anytime <laughs> there are pieces of shit in movies, I'm like, oh, this is my story. You know what I mean? And uh, that I love a lot screen of losers. Movies. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like cop movies are like, oh, these are pieces of shit with power, and I'm like, oh well, I don't have power. I don't relate. You know, so um, <laughs> oh. but. I like these three too, just because, and I will talk about them 
each each one. But what I was thinking before the rewatch was like owning Mahoney is like the gambler's nightmare. Yeah. And then um Mississippi Grind is like the gambler's fantasy. And then Rounders is like the like the gambler's self-justification slash platonic form of what they what their journey is, right? Like in Rounders, it's ultimately revealed through his trials and tribulations and like the yeshiva story Martin Landau says, like the coda is like be who you are destined to be. And for Matt Damon, who we all, you know, or maybe at least white guys of a certain age, you know, grafted ourselves onto as we were watching is like a charming, uh, brilliant gambler who at his core is special and deserves Mm -hmm. to be on this journey, you know, and it's about accepting his greatness. The other gambling movies aren't saying that, you know, it's all about like follow the, the wave of ups and downs and Mississippi grind talks about like, we made it, we arrived at this place and owning Mahoney is just, I can never get that movie out of my mind, watching him throw the, the dice and adjust his glasses over and over the same way, you know, like mm-hmm. as if there's nothing changing between each role. But that movie to me is about just that a gambler is looking to just the wreckage and the absolute downfall, you know. Um, but I'll open it up to, to you guys. And and I guess one more thing, right, which is what th- there, there's two aspects of gambling that I find so exciting. One is just like the pure addiction of it. Like it feels good to win. It is validating to win. And that is like um, when you win in blackjack, there's been studies done that say it's the same receptors in your mind that go off that – uh, go off when you do cocaine. And I read that as an yeah. expert in both things, I can say that those studies are are dead on. Um, but there's another thing about gambling that occurred to me while I was watching these movies, which is it is about that and it is about the the character defects and the the addiction and all that. But, but there's something specific to gambling that I don't think happens with drugs and alcohol so much. And that is of and specifically in owning Mahoney and, and uh, Mississippi Grind, which is these, it, it is a fight against mortality. It is like a, a a an avoidance, control, or mastery of the idea of death, and that watching it that this way was kind of fun to me. And we see that like in Deer Hunter, right, mm-hmm. Nikki it becomes the allegory becomes uh, literal there. Um, So anyway, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say. I have some notes about the movies, particularly great scripts. Great. I mean, I just love the dialogue and and all of them, even though there's less in Oding Mahoney, but Philip Seymour Hoffman is amazing. And women like the, the, in the heteronormative pairings in gambling movies, like the women are 
constant wreckage and that's kind of sad and mm-hmm. um limited but also like very well done in these movies i thought um and period you, yeah you know what i was noticing when i was watching these is it's kind of about trying to gain control when your life is out of control like the more chaotic and the more they're spinning out of control it's like they think that they you know, or they're trying to gravitate to this one thing. And they think if they can control that, that will put everything else in balance, kind of like a checks and balances, and just what that's like. And I, you know, haven't had an addiction issue. But I do understand that just from like a health issue, when your health is out of control, you start trying to control other aspects of your life, like, you know, how you present yourself, so you're not judged a certain way or whatever it is. And so watching these, I was thinking, you know, as Philip Seymour Hoffman, he was trying to portray himself one way, but you know, what he was really going through is something altogether, sort of the duplicity and also just the search for control. But, you know, these are rich characters. And I think somebody who loves character-based storytelling, Jordan would have a good handle on that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I love gambling movies like like Rob does. I, I don't know, uh, trying to figure out why I love them. I'm not a, I'm not a, a particular gambler. I will occasionally no. play the video slots when I go to Vegas, but I, I never go to Vegas to gamble. I always go for, for other reasons. Yeah. And, and it's never been something that I've really been drawn to. But, it, you know, I was watching these movies and I was thinking about uh, Cormac McCarthy's writings on gambling and chance and how... Uh, to him, it's like uh, you you put your soul at hazard, but you do it to determine what the universe thinks about you, because what what better judgment could you have than that? And so it occurred to me that gambling at this type of way is constantly asking God if he loves you and then never liking the answer, um, because if you if you I lose, love that. that's brilliant. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I just I, uh, I no, I, I don't know if it's brilliant, but like, I just think that like. You know, and you see it over and over again that they can't accept the answer, which no. Uh, mm-hmm. And if the answer is that you're a loser and the universe doesn't love you, uh, you can't accept two that. out of you three. Have, Let's go. Yep. Yeah, You're you have to keep, keep going. Yep. But but obviously, if you win and, and the universe says it does love you, that's not mm-hmm. good either. That's not, you know, that's not good enough either, because in your heart, you know, it's not true. So yep. y- you have to push past the winning to get to the losing again, because you you know the answer and of course the the answer in my opinion is that the universe doesn't care about you uh doesn't care about anybody but like uh and it seems to be you know and this is uh, rob said this in a very different way but i kind of agree with him that like um uh, mississippi grind is is suggesting that maybe the universe does love them although mm-hmm. i think that is a movie that has a happy ending because of where it cuts um, 100%, exactly 100%. you know um, that which he's is gonna just lose everything yep to talk, to talk about a, a, a spoilers for Uncut Gems, which is a, a, a movie in this vein, that that's why the ending of Uncut Gems is a happy ending is because he dies at that moment. Yep. Uh, if he if he lived another another day, it would all fall apart. But he gets to die thinking God loves him and uh, and that the universe is on his side. And that's why it's a happy ending. Uh, owning Mahoney is like the the oh. honest answer. You know, and then Rounders Gosh, is a movie written by people who are sure that God loves them. I love that you're bringing God into this because my first experience yes, with yes. gambling is because 
uh, growing up, my childhood best friend, who is now a priest, but he wasn't then, uh, was a gambling addict. I, I kind of lost touch with him. Um, but he actually published a book on No Limit Texas Hold'em Poker. And it's dedicated to me, which is kind of, I think, a joke because I have zero poker face whatsoever. And so, like, when we would play in high school occasionally, like, they would stake me, like, you know, it was only a couple bucks. But because they knew I was going to lose it, eventually everyone could tell what I was holding. But um, my friend (laughs) was somebody who did get pretty out of control there when I was in college couple of our friends were like contacting me like hey you need to see if you can track him down or he's getting involved in some um kind of really high stakes games and we were we were pretty worried about him for a little bit like sometimes we would be hanging out on a friday and it would have to go to we'd have to go to a sports bar and then he'd just be glued to like six different tvs to see where all the the bets he placed and how they were tracking and we knew he couldn't focus on us and it was a little scary there for a while but um yeah so it's interesting you're bringing up god that's kind of this obsessive uh nature and this questioning and so it made me think of yes <laughs> somebody that <laughs> i grew up with yeah it it's so funny too like um i mean uh, these movies and uncut gems really like the mania of of winning and or chasing the win is so in uncut gems so like you can feel it and taste it it's all mania and it's so great but when we were talking about this i was your friend i mean i was dan mahoney at that couple's thing in the couple's the scene where he's watching the the game he's got thirty thousand dollars on with his couple friends in Las Vegas with two of my cousin and my other buddy, Kyle. And we'd gone there just to play football because we did it for my buddy's bachelor party the year before. And we all won because oh. we were hanging out with this one guy who's a handicapper and again, a great guy, but, but it was a hundred percent like eat, you know, just watching games like crazy. And I never used to bet sports, but, I got sober 15 years ago and my first job two weeks into sobriety was in doing comedy in Las Vegas. And I moved there two weeks sober and I started. Yeah. And like, so one thing like cocaine moved right into $2 blackjack, which was, you know, in the $10 (laughs) blackjack, which went, you know, it just continues. And now it's like, you know, I gamble a couple couple times a year and uh, it's, it's fun. And I do it with my friends, but that, that, mania is so um you know it's a high for sure it's it's intense and the one thing that i don't get though is like poker is so specific and Mm -hmm. you see it in rounders like they're they play poker and Mm -hmm. i i do not have the patience for poker poker to me is like kanish in rounders like it's a grind and like yeah it's poker players to me are are like those like you know it's a skill game and like they they think they're in i don't know there's just like an arrogance to a poker player that really aggravates me like we're not all sitting in the commerce casino breathing cigarette smoke in the same (laughs) place like they think they're different you know what i mean and i guess they are but like 
I'm like, you guys, come on. I like the action. Um, <laughs> but I said nothing of substance, you know, other than like at the end of those long runs where you're totally degraded, like in Mississippi Ryan, and you've lost Mississippi Ground, you've lost everything, you're still alive. And that's yep. one thing that like is true and is answered different ways in Mississippi Grind and owning Mahoney, which is like, you're right. The sad, honest answer of like, it's okay. 20 is okay. Mm-hmm. But that idea of being fully real, like some of the most like horrifying moments are in owning Mahoney. There's three moments that are yes, just like the realization heart. Yeah. 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 It's, it's that that moment at the at the the couple the setup date where he put thir- puts thirty grands on on the basketball game and he loses by half a point. Yeah. Um. The the end, of course, where they talk about you know what's the most alive you feel yeah. when you're g- gambling is a hundred and everything else is a twenty. Yeah. And then the moment where when. At the beginning of the film, they're winning at the craps table before he's gone like full. I'm a fully like embezzling mm-hmm. white collar criminal to do my gambling. And he's with an Asian woman at a craps table and they're winning. And then she comes up to him later and you think it's going to be like this rom- kind of like a romantic connection. Yeah. And it turns to her working him to, for 200 bucks so she can keep gambling. And it's just like. Uh, it just killed and kills me. yeah yeah the desperation and degradation you know it's yes it's crazy and i was talking to rob about this earlier in the week just how you know that is philip seymour hoffman and then of course you have ben mendelson in mississippi grind and i don't know if any of the other actors of course it's private business but they've been honest about um the, their issues and that they were suffering with issues of addiction and so it is kind of interesting that they really tore into these portraits of addiction and um, reach something primal and so true in these performances. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the, the moments in, in owning Mahoney that got to me the most were the, the ones where, where he, um, you know, he goes with the friend to Atlantic city and uh, gives him the $40,000 in chips and says, do not give this to me no matter what. And then, you know, and then goes to him later and demands it. And just like the, the inhumanity that he displays over and over again. I, I, I'm torn about the, you the brought thing a I'm curse to the table. Give me my <laughs> money and stay away from me. Yes. You brought uh, a curse oh. to that table. <laughs> the, the, the part I'm torn on in that movie is Minnie driver. Uh, not yeah. her performance, which is, which is fine. Her wig. Well, oh, the, yeah, the, the, the wig is, awful like that's one of the yeah. worst wigs i've ever seen in a film <laughs> um but no that it's it's because we are not granted any insight into that's yeah. why why she got with him in the first place we never see Understand that um, and and she puts up with, with so much without any kind of backdrop to it yes and, mm-hmm there's like, and this is also in Mississippi grind a little bit, but, but that has Ryan Reynolds in it. So not really, there's such an, like a, everything about Oni Mahoney is so unpleasant looking, yeah. uh, including yeah. him and including yeah. like the, 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 uh, the casino was not a glamorous casino, even like the nice 
uh, hotel rooms aren't that nice. They're chintzy and cheesy. And there's, it's such a grim portrait of the world. And, and, uh, so I just, I wish we had seen, and maybe I'm just being like a Hollywood hack here, but I wish we had just seen one thing that made me think there was anything other than desperation and, and mini driver, uh, being with this guy as he, yeah. again, like the other scene that really tears you up is when she finds him at the craps table and he won't even like look her in the eye and just, I know he's just got to gamble. Um, yeah. yeah, I I thought it was powerful the scene then when she's uh, on the airplane and everybody, you know, you always lose in Vegas and stuff, but yeah. she doesn't, you know, do anything about it. Yeah. I I wanted to know more about that how long they had been together, what was the initial attraction, like what was her deal a little bit, that's what I said with the writing. Um but I think overall it was a really powerful film. Um I know some critics were pushing back against him being kind of a blank slate or just not that interesting or a little too vacuous or whatever but that's kind of the point is yeah. you know it could be anybody sort of like a you are here like you are with this person so i know they didn't want to get too specific but yeah well do you I remember just... this one um back when it was released had you guys seen it then I, I, w- I will say that i had not seen this or mississippi grind until oh, okay. this podcast sure so uh, these were two new movies for me, but no, I don't think I, you give me pale flower. I give you Mississippi grind. <laughs> it's just a, a terrible contract and friendship, but um, no. that's what you get when you're, when you're dealing with a, with a cocoa, like uncle Rob, you know, no great movies. They are great movies. I love uh, that they, he's a blank slate. You know, I love yeah. that he is, he, he's, the only life that he allows himself to live is this this, this duplicity yep. where even when he's at a hundred, as he says at the end, it there is look no like joy. Yeah. No. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, such a great... Po- oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I just, frankly, I'm just not interested in hearing anybody's acting notes for him. Like, yeah, you know what ever. I mean? Like... Ever. Yeah, just not no, interested. when those just, critics were like, but, why didn't we see anything? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's just... You need no, that. Yeah, yeah, he made the choices. Trust Yes. Him. He's exactly. like literally This the best was his choice and we get to watch it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, somebody actually and, um, was interviewed, like, who knew the original guy whose name wasn't Mahoney. It was something else. It was like Maloney or something. And, um, you know, was was Hoffman in and he said it was like eerie how much like not only just the bushy mustache and just the way he walked and kind of schlubby and but just what it was like to be around him you didn't really get a handle on him or he was just in his own little world like said it was choices that he made were so perfect without I don't know that they hung out together I don't really know the background but it just might have been intuitive I mean that's what made Hoffman so great yeah well also he is doing and i don't even like you don't even notice it until he starts saying sorry a lot that he is doing a canadian accent that is like very subtle Mm -hmm. um it's not like some big loud thing it's just he says sorry and like yeah and and but it's just again it's not calling attention to itself or anything like that it's just no that's what he's doing um yeah yeah i i uh, just so many I, I didn't. I didn't see this when it came out either. A friend of mine, a tremendous actor, his name is Lee Coco. He he's like, buddy, 
you have got to see this movie. I mean, probably some kind of cautionary tale, but there's so many small moments in this movie besides his tremendous acting, which I'm on board for. I loved it. I thought it was such an mm-hmm. interesting, even if it was a creation of his own, not based on someone's interesting take on mm-hmm. the the spiritual uh, absence of the gambler, you know? And the script yeah. talks about it, like, in the John Hurt kind of Satan role, you know, um, you know, you want to know how we do it? Talk to me at 4 a.m. You know, he's winning. Mm-hmm. His yeah, little lag is like, if he walks away. Yeah. Yeah, fi- yeah, exactly. And, you know, and then his bookie, Maury Chaikin, is like, is that right, Maury Chaikin? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. You know why he wants to win? So he has the money to keep losing. And yeah. It's true. It's true. Yep. Um, and then the best, to me, the best line in the whole movie is is John Hurt, who's no sex, no booze, no drugs. Our little roller is a purist. He's a goddamn thoroughbred. All he cares about is the next hand. He's a beauty. He's a beauty. I love him. I love him. <laughs> like... <laughs> I love John Hurt in this movie. He's just like trying to figure it out, figure this guy out. And then in the end, he's like, there's nothing to figure out. Nope. Yeah. It is character defects on parade and the denial that he lives in where he's just like, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a financial problem. Mm -hmm. Right. And that denial it be it be it, it speaks to his relationship with Minnie Driver's character, which is like. The stories we tell ourselves, you know, at the beginning, he's got a good job. He works hard. He can spend his money any way he wants. Like, obviously, she's told herself a story about this guy that is way off. I mean, this guy is not, Mm -hmm. has zero magnetism, charm, or attraction at all. Mm -hmm. And, And the question remains at the end when they're driving the car out of the police department, like, I love you, Dan. It's like, why? Yeah. You love him. You're a <laughs> oh, sweet gal, you know, like mm-hmm. you've got a lot to offer, but there's all these great moments. Like when he gets back in the airport and his car stalls, he's got the broken visor in his car that falls off. Like that's like his, his inside is his life and his outside is him walking through as the whale, you know, being mm-hmm. flanked by security. So it's, I love it. It's so tight and simple and horrible and <laughs> yeah. funny. And- I saw it when it was new. Um, I used to go to the video store, you know, every week. And so it was a new release on the shelf. I actually remember reading about it when it was in the theater, but I didn't know anywhere where it was playing near me. So I had to wait for DVD, but we did watch it. I watched it with my dad. And it was funny within the first 20 minutes, he just kind of looked at me and he he wasn't really one to ever, he knew I would pick good guys or you know i didn't really have tastes in creeps but this movie got to him so bad within the first 20 minutes he goes i don't care what you never date a gambler like that was just his thing like if they're like that is what i want you to stay away from and it just kind of like philip seymour hoffman just left him completely like ooh, yeah yeah and you are kind of wondering like where is Minnie Driver's people in, in her life? Or maybe she keeps lying to them, which she does. You know, he can do whatever he wants, like all the rationalizing. But my God, yeah. 
Well, and again, not to harp on it too much, but I feel like that's what the wig's job is in the movie is to try and take <laughs> Minnie Driver and make it make you believe that that she would be in this situation. And if you just let Minnie Driver be Minnie Driver, you're not going to buy it for a minute. And True. so yeah. they have to put her in this like frumpy and it I, it's not just the hairstyle, but it is it's truly a terrible wig where you can tell they couldn't afford any kind of like lace front or anything <laughs> like that. So she had to have the big bangs to to cover it up. But like that was the that was the purpose of that of that wig is like I'm sure like they would they wanted somebody who wasn't beautiful for that role. And when they got Minnie Driver, they're like, well, we got we got to make people forget. Um, <laughs> So that they'll buy this at all, which is I think, which is impossible still, because yeah, yeah. even a, even the problems with that character and the look is like she is so lovable. It yes. turns yeah. Dan into yes. a fucking just beast to leave yeah. her alone it makes in that it, hotel room or to yep. drive her away from the craps table. Like it, he is, you he should be him. vanquished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and I mean, even like you get the idea like they, they cut from their dancing and, and they look up at the mirrored ceiling and the, and they're like, Oh, it's pornographic. And they start kissing. And then they smash cut to him fully clothed on the bed where mm-hmm. you, on the maid bed. So like they, they don't even, they don't even have sex. They don't like nothing. He says the, the only pornographic and it shocks her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the only nudity you get is like that, seven minute scene of her bawling him out while he's standing in the shower. Like, yeah, it's, she's just like, you have a problem. It's like on and on. And he's just like cold and shivering, standing in the shower. Doesn't even like step out of the tub. I was, this time I was like, huh, like, get out of the shower, man. Yeah. We don't see any intimacy. I don't, I think they don't want to put any kind of romance into it, too. They yeah. Just like why the casinos, none of them are glossy or glamorous. Yeah, just. Yeah. Yeah. And even like John Hurt, well, he's is not like, available. Yeah. Uh, John Hurt is like really oily in this movie. Like, <laughs> you know, like there's just something yeah. about him that that is like, again, er- everything in the movie to the point that he eats ribs with no sauce. That's his like request is just ribs with no sauce, which I guess is to keep his fingers clean so he can keep playing is the is the thought. But like, I don't know. It's just again, there's like no pleasure or joy other than I guess no. the point is gambling. But um, there's that one odd moment Bluntness. that I, I like. He's, yep. Yeah. Is um, uh, when he's on the private plane flying to the casino and he, he has what passes, which is the closest thing to a human conversation he has with anybody in the film is uh, with the woman who works behind the the cage who is on the pl- yeah. plane with him. And, and he actually smiles during the conversation. And I guess yeah. it's because he's in this place where he's like, he's flying to Atlantic city with, I believe $1.2 million to gamble, but he hasn't started gambling yet, but he knows he will. He is safe. The money is safe. He is on his way. And so it, it gives him this one brief moment where he can have like a smiling conversation where he talks about gambling, like, like he's a normal gambler who enjoys playing a few bucks, you know, and I know you have pluses and minuses, he says. And like, and it's so like, that's the, the, the junkiest part of the whole thing. Like the happiest a junkie ever is, at least, you know, this junkie is it's not the high it's the, the pocket full of drugs on the way, like it's all going my way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
there's a there's a, a again a another a Cormac McCarthy quote, which uh, is uh, there is no such joy in the tavern as upon the road thereto. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Good movie. Tight little, tight little sob story. And, um, you know, I, it's nice that they finally get to go to Niagara Falls in the end, you know, but like, what it's a so good sad that he can be with Niagara Falls. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It starts. It starts with the falls, and it and it's happy for her mm-hmm. because he won't leave. I guess, and there's some codependent whatever deal happening there. But like, you see all of all of this majestic, majestic beauty, and it's you know that it doesn't even create a flicker of light for him you know no. and it's just like uh, yeah, yeah for sure terrible terrible which films uh do you guys what's the order what do you want to talk about next i mean i feel like uh mississippi grind would be the it feels weird to do rounders in the middle i think yeah i think so yep right exactly mississippi grind i remember really being a fan of when it first came out I saw it actually, I think I'd seen California Split in the 90s, but kind of forgot about it. And then for whatever reason, especially because I'm not a gambler at all, I became like obsessed with California Split during the pandemic. I think I watched it three or four times. It just became like a comfort movie. And so watching Mississippi Grind this time, I was like, wow, this really is a loose remake of California Split. But they kind of take it so you get the fantasy elements but then you also get the realism of this is really what it's like i mean you see it a little bit here and there in the altman film but it's still rose-colored glasses and this is obviously you know you know yeah they're going down or where the movie chooses to stop as jordan astutely brought up earlier and uh yeah so how about you were you a fan originally of this one rob i i i had to stop it the first time i watched it um when he starts lying to his buddy it made me so so uncomfortable i turned it off and i came back to it and i'm glad i did because it becomes you know what we're all looking for when we go into one of those casinos you know um I obviously like the the characters are I mean I can watch Ben Mendelssohn do and he's amazing. I yeah. love him. Mm-hmm. And I love like I've loved Ryan Reynolds since Van Wilder and I just I think I just think he's I know people think he's a thing but I just think he can do something that no one else can do and 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 i am a perfect consumer of that thing (laughs) that charm that like that like uh safe sarcasm you know and and so those two guys together were great to me and i think they're great i think you know a movie that i think about a lot when i'm watching this movie is the card counter just because of like the locations of these kind of road trip casinos um especially you know, in Jordan's neck of the woods, um, these like kind of out of the way, 
places for mostly locals, not really um, destination casinos where you can go get lost or hide out or, you know, validate your own terrible feelings about yourself. But for me, the card counter is decidedly not about gambling to me. Yeah. And this yeah, movie really is. Yeah. So um, that one didn't make it on the list. Um, but I love this movie. And on a second watch, like, look, there's a bunch of things about this movie that should be off-putting for me. Like, I love how they interact with people along the way. I love the relationship, the mystery of it, but also the simplicity of it. Um, and I like where it ends. I yeah. think the little offshoots of their journey are just small moments, which are great and telling. And um, and I love, you know, it's in the name Mississippi Grind. That's the name of the horse that Ben Mendelsohn should have bet on. Um, and Ryan Reynolds does. But the whole movie feels just like a gravelly, gross grind. And, and it's like the, the shitty Subaru, not shitty, but like lived in Subaru and Mendelssohn's teeth. And like uh, uh, Reynolds is always in that same code. And like, he's, he's like a hobo, but with magic, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. I liked also that it talk, it's it, it's a lot about what being alone is. You know, it, it keeps coming back to this. A man alone is half a man, his mother said uh, to him at, in, at the Harrah's where I've lost money. That that Harrah's is a fucking stiff casino, guys, in on, you know, Canal Street in New Orleans. Don't go. Okay. I think I've, I lost 15 hands of blackjack in a row there uh, in front of my wife. And it was fucking humiliating. Um, but also <laughs> they talk about the, the, he there's this character named Pops. He's talking about being married six times. And he says, you know, it's better to be with somebody than being alone. And these guys are loners. And they one guy cannot connect to what seems like a really true and honest relationship. Um, and the other guy cannot stop hurting the people he loves because he's such a loser. So the, the loneliness is palpable in this movie. What I find interesting about that is, is, is they're not alone through most of the movie because this is also, it's a story about friends who like genuinely enjoy being around each other. And the idea that that is not sufficient in some mm -hmm. way is interesting because I mean, obviously they have ups and downs, but like when they meet, when they hang out, they decide to go on a road trip together. And then at the end, it's like, a relationship. Yeah, it's a relationship that is like they really, truly enjoy each other and, and they laugh in a way that way that like is so hard to get to as an adult. I mean, they're drunk for a lot yeah. of that, which makes that a lot mm -hmm. easier. But yeah. like, uh, you know, that it is a it is a movie about like a, a like straight men friendship that is uh, somehow keeps suggesting that the fact that 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 is not sufficient that you have to to have something else in your life which some people do and some people don't but like um i will say i think you know while the women are not the relationship that this movie is about they are they are better written certainly than than the women and rounders which we'll we'll get to yeah uh but um but it is it is a story like that moment that they have with that old man pops 
that's a real moment of like human connection between three people. And like, that is, Mm -hmm. that's, that's where like they, if they would stop and look, they would go like, wait, actually like, you know, but, uh, but they're so caught up in, 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 in the gambling and the, and the drinking and, and the, the being on the road that they don't kind of look around and realize what they, although I will say, I think that's a lot of what the end for Ryan Reynolds is about is realizing that and, you know, and, and going back to him, uh, when, you know, after they split up and Ryan Reynolds kind of runs a con on him and then does what you learn, what Ryan Reynolds believes in is, is that, that, uh, again, it's this, this relationship with the world outside yourself as, as a, as the universe having judgment is that when somebody does something wrong, you, you physically, like if somebody beats them up, it's okay. That when Ben Mendelsohn lies to him, he then makes a, starts a fight so that Ben Mendelsohn will get his ass kicked. And then he's good. He can hang out with Ben Mendelssohn. And then you learn the genesis for that is that his grand he he accidentally cut off his sister's toes in an accident, yeah. and then his grandfather chopped off his pinky toe as retribution. And then you see it again after he steals from Ben Mendelssohn and and goes off with the money as he goes and 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 gets into a fight with some basketball players and and completely like intentionally gets his ass kicked by some guys. And then he now feels he can go back. So again, it's this idea that like, that there's some kind of judgment rendered that, that is not specifically like nobody talks about it, nobody, but as long as there is some kind of karmic order, physical yeah. Impact, yeah, that, um, that the, the forms have been obeyed and they can go on. Um, I will say like, like Rob, I think it took me two nights to watch this. And I do think I turned it off in the scene where Ben Mendelsohn starts lying to Ryan Reynolds, not because I didn't think the movie was good, but just because like, Jesus Christ. I mean, like it's so yeah. bad that and the, and the, the scene with uh, Robin Weigert, I think uh, calamity Jane from Deadwood uh, who plays yeah. Ben Mendelsohn's uh, ex-wife mm. uh, again. And you God. just go, Oh, what a piece. And he doesn't know how old his daughter is. And then he's just yeah. like, I'm not a good person. Yeah. That, that line reading of her, of where she's just so softly just says, "Get out!" Yep. It's yeah. so, it was so good, mm-hmm. and and that that moment where he he essentially he's got like pretty close to the nuts on this poker. He's got the nuts until Fifth Street, they're the river, whatever, and the yeah. woman that he's playing with pulls the one card that can beat him. Um, and it's a bad beat and you know he's he turns that he lies and says that that was his hand and that it was a sign to his to ryan reynolds and that's why he should go essentially rob his ex-wife and all and and you just see him take the only Mm -hmm. clean sacred joyous thing in his life and inject and infuse toxic just loserism into it and it's hard to watch, you know, it's, it's, it it's hard to watch. Uh, it's hard speaking, to watch. Speaking of toxic loserism, I gotta do whatever the opposite of a shout out is for the cameo by absolute utter piece of shit. James Toback. Uh, yeah. Yep. Who, yeah, uh, who, who plays cameo. Tony. Yeah. Who plays Tony Roundtree, um, who is a director. First of all, uh, not the most of his crimes, but directed one of the worst gambling movies you will ever see, which is Mark Wahlberg's The Gambler. Um, but on top of that, terrible, a, <laughs> terrible, an, an insanely bad. Oh movie. my God, Jordan, 
I made my entire family go see that on Christmas Day. My grandmother, rest her soul, she's gone now. My mother, my cousin, killed her. No, my wife. It pretty. It's like it was. uh, I I doubled down and I lost on that movie. It was the worst movie, movie. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. It has a great trailer. It had a great trailer because it has. It's almost entirely the scene with John Goodman and in the, in the sauna and John Goodman is, is good in that movie, but Mark Wahlberg is awful, just terrible. And it's written from such a toxic, awful place of like, it's just, it's so, and James Toback is also a, a literal monster who has been accused of many, many sexual assaults and, and things like yeah. that. So that is, that's, that's really, yes. It's so uh, to see him pop up in this movie where he is just to look at him, just a repulsive, uh, figure who is uh, it, it, it's a it's an odd moment in the film i will say very odd yeah. very odd um, well the movie does there's... have a lot of throwback to you know not only california split but the difference is i think primal between this and california split is you know talking about some of those scenes that you guys were describing when he rips off the ex-wife and um it kind of feels like as far as those screen losers, kind of what Edward Norton is playing in Rounders that seemed to be like a John Cazal or a 70s sort of losery character. Um, the filmmakers, um, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, were big fans of Scarecrow and Five Easy Pieces and King of Marvin Gardens, so kind of like sad sack 70s cinema. And that's sort of um, what populates this movie. But also there is this sort of sweetness and the seductive, I mean, it is a meet cute when they meet at the beginning of the movie. Um, They Mm -hmm. sort of, there's a wink, like a literal wink that Ryan Reynolds gives to Ben Mendelsohn and he tells a charming story. And then what I love is when, you know, it's this this sort of um, bourbon that uh, the Woodford uh, brand name bourbon that comes back later and how they bond over that. And just, you know, it goes right from there. This is sort of a seduction and yes, they go on a road trip together. I think it's really an interesting dynamic between the two men, like falling in love with each other essentially. And they play it so well. Yeah. Yeah. They really do. I mean, and this isn't the first like whatever it's not a charity case but it's not like the first investment in like a wayward soul that ryan reynolds has made his character has made curtis has made um so but so we know that this one is special because he's they stop and they hang with those two ladies which is such a a wonderful scene of both like um who who who's the the woman that Ryan Reynolds is dating. Sienna Miller. Sienna Miller, who I think is wonderful. Mm-hmm. And she talks, She there's like the, the hard edge of, he's talking about this fantasy, why don't you come with? And she's like, should I bring Gondam? Should, you know, am I working? Yeah. Or are you going to pay for me? And it, it's just like, brings she's the real like, Yep. Yeah. You can, he lives a fantasy mm-hmm. that can never stop. But on the other side, my favorite line of the whole, uh, other than we can't lose, obviously, we yeah. can't lose that like mantra they say to one another. It's gives me, I love it so much because 
again, I'm a piece of shit, but um, he's talking to uh, Jer. <laughs> I mean, it's everyone knows it's not. This is this is not a forty-eight to one shot. This is you know a five to uh, a seven to five favorite. Rob's a piece of shit, but um, the line where the other young lady is showing she's like a hostess possible sex worker talking mm-hmm. about showing uh jerry a magic trick and this sweetness with her kitten and the magic trick and he plays the the piano for her and it's like yeah. there's this something there is something honest and innocent in these two characters and she says i'm gonna do something with my life i may not have figured it out yet but i'm gonna do something and it just broke me that line. Like, and I believe her. And I think that's something that we all feel or hope to go at some point. Um, I just love that, that detour that they make and you hope Ryan Reynolds makes it back, but it, from the end, it doesn't look like he's going to, um, mm-hmm. but then like seminal, seminal gambling thoughts come out of Ryan Reynolds mouth. Like the writing is so great, but like, it's so on the nose charm that like only Ryan Reynolds could get away with it, I think. And then the, his like his quips to Jerry about gambling, like um, it was always going to it. It's a long way down, isn't it, Jerry? Like when it looks like things are going to end, and it had to end this way when they break, like when they break up at the racetrack, and he bets the wrong horse. Um, they're just like, damn a knife in the heart of when you're and and when Jerry's alone and all he's got is, is a cell phone on a, on a streetcar. And that's like, there's nothing left. Like I've been that guy at the four women's casino with the last Chinatown shuttle going back to Chicago at 10 o'clock in the morning, ready to do my table waiting lunch shift at the Berghoff in Chicago, man, after just losing it all. It's terrible. My uncle. um, Welcome to my memoir. No, <laughs> no, my uncle, um, I probably should have saved this for rounders, but uh, can count cards and um, just extremely intelligent and um, went to Vegas. I think that's what terrified my dad because he sat at the table and watched this go down and it took all night is he was up thousands and thousands of dollars at a blackjack table and then he waited long enough like he was so in the moment so enjoying it that he gave it all back and then some and it just like my dad would tell that story forever like one could count cards he should have stopped he should have stopped (laughs) and it's not like he did this all the time but just going to vegas he he got in his ply of this ability so i'm just gonna do it and um yeah so i think seeing that and even though you you think these things like ryan reynolds when you watch the movie initially because we see him at the racetrack and he's telling these stories about he knows when to stop and stuff like that and he can be charming just like my uncle could and so you know at first you're like well does he have as much of a problem or is ben Mendelssohn more honest about it or what is going on and then by the end of the movie, too, what I love is you realize that some of the the bravado and these stories and the Machu Picchu time and how he's always asking girls to go to Peru with him, like it's just part of a shtick and part of a, a thing that he has in this pattern. So it's a little bit like lying, just like 
the Ben Mendelsohn guy does too, I think. And it makes the movie interesting. It's two sides of the same. They're like different halves of the same whole. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a Dean, like a, I kept thinking like Dean Moriarty. Is that the guy yeah. from on the road? Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't have the stamina for poker, which I love that he said that, but I don't care yes. about winning. I just like to play like, it starts with a rainbow. They bet dynamic rainbow. You know, it's about trying to find beauty. And uh, like, I loved all that stuff about his character, but he cannot face himself. No. So he loses himself in other people, yep. you know, and mm-hmm. harvests their really trauma tries to turn, you know, brings his magic to, to other yeah. people. But it's not it's not a lasting magic, like you're saying, Jen. It's, it's no. a dream. Mm-hmm. But that's what I love about this movie. It's so clearly like Mendelssohn hits a little jackpot on a, on a shitty old slot. Then he puts it all on double zero, which is like a loser's number on roulette. I hate <laughs> when people bet double zero. It hits. And then he he be, he goes on the run and, and magnetizes uh, Curtis back over to him and they go on the run together. And they're betting the, 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 the field, which is like, another weird bet on craps. Um, and they say they, you know, we can't lose, we can't lose. Mm -hmm. And it's wonderful. But the last shot of the movie is so weird to me because, um, Curtis describes him as an American hero. And then like the last shot is him finally not slouching. Like there's all that Joe Navarro Mm -hmm. body language stuff. And he's sitting tall in the car that he buys back. He doesn't even get a new car. He buys back the car he had. And like over the glass is the 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 shuddering American flag over his face. And it's like an interesting image, but I'm always like, huh. Like, is he American hero? But they're all they're pointing Oh, they're to being this cynical. Like, I mean, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I these that. are the people that mean half Nelson and um Sugar, which was about baseball players that came over from, um, I can't remember which islands, but um, so they, and then another one was, was it, it's kind of a funny story or something like that, which was about um, somebody being committed. And so I feel like they were kind of always exploring different pockets of America. So there is a little bit of how you can get lost in America or or what's going on, but it might be a little on the nose, the thing with the flag at the end, but yeah. I like it better now because you're right. This whole journey, he's just right back to where he started, which is a dude in a Subaru, (laughs) no home and no job. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the idea that we've made it, this, this movie and rounders really, there's like, I need to take my shot. I need to shoot my shot and find out, you know? And yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going for something there, Jordan. Should no, we no, move no, on no. to I, rounders, I, you guys? Yeah, yeah. I was just afraid if we don't move on to rounders, we never yeah. we never will. I uh no, I don't I, I Mississippi Grind was a really, really good movie, but man, it's a tough it is tough a set, as they say. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Tough well, set. we should go to rounders, which I know is one of your favorites, Jordan. I mean Look, is Rounders a good movie? Yeah, I don't know if that's the right phrase for what Rounders is. Is it is it a movie that I can watch over and over and over again? <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's the combination of just the pleasure of watching the poker that is really well done. They 
you know, they explain the rules well enough that you can enjoy it. Um, and, and you like watching the poker happen in this movie. And they do like the last game yeah. is like 20 minutes long, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Like they really allow themselves the pleasure of, of let, watching poker just unfold. But to me, like uh, the, the real joy of this movie is the dialogue. It's just um, this is a movie about a subculture and it is a movie about this language that exists that is just beautiful and weird and they don't explain a lot of it you don't need them to and uh you know there's just a million things just like john Turturro, you know don't tell me you're going to put all that glimmer into play or you know uh, sat down with a mad russian and he emptied your pockets it's just uh over and over again there's just all of this you know nobody ever says the the same phrase twice i i suspect that much like goodfellas work was supposed to be called wise guys that this movie was supposed to be called grinders because that's the phrase they use more often than rounders which i think is uh thrown off at the at the end um but yeah for me it's you know you have these great actors i mean in nearly every role is somebody who's fantastic um and and you have uh, Edward Norton at the top of his game, and you have Matt oh Damon. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you have. I mean, you have Martin Landau, just, just you know, um, killing it, killing yes. it. You have uh, Gretchen Maul in a, a very thankless, thankless role, role, but she's uh, yeah. as, as the shrew. I mean, she's literally, you know, yes. the, the movie really tries to paint her as unreasonable for not wanting her boyfriend who lost his entire life savings. Yes. Uh, and almost had to drop out of law school, not wanting him to gamble is presented as like uh, telling some young yeah. kid from the city not to play basketball because he's never going to get out of the city. You know, like it's, <laughs> um, and uh, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of other, you know, smaller parts that are great. Um, Femke Jansen, also a thankless role, but oh. in a very different way. I love Just her. great though. Yeah. She's yeah. great, and but she's playing just a fantasy. I mean, this is I know a, yeah. she comes on to him, and it, it's a little ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, she like she's like nine feet tall and and drinks whiskey <laughs> and plays plays poker with the boys, and then comes over in a little black dress and and just is gonna hey, you owe me like five thousand dollars, but I'm actually here just to just to fuck you. But oh, you don't want to? Okay, I'm gonna leave now. And yeah. like, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just so I don't know. This is actually if you my letterbox, uh, I stopped recording how many times I'd watched Rounders because it's a movie I can fall asleep to. Um, and oh, so wow. I I was counting it and then I said, no, no, fall asleep movies don't count. So uh, this is but this is number one on my letterbox most watched film. Um, and uh, it's just, you know. Again, I, I said it's intervention on rounders is what we're saying. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's fine. It's um, <laughs> you're rounding on rounders, dude. But yeah. it really is. It is a movie. too much glimmer into the play rotation. Yeah. Playing too much glimmer into play. Uh, yep. But like it is a movie about people who are chosen by God. It really is. It is. It is that that the line that it's a skill game, uh, which is what poker players say to justify and it is. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. I have played poker. I remember the first time I played poker with people who knew how to play poker. Like, you know, as opposed to just guys sitting around playing cards. Uh, mm-hmm. And I lost all my money. And the one time they got mad was I bet big on something I shouldn't have bet big on because I didn't know what I was doing. And it was the only time I won because I made an <laughs> irrational play. Where, much like in, in Mississippi Grind, where that woman 
did not earn the the bad beat she got on Ben Mendelsohn. I had one of those, and they got so angry because I played irrationally, and and they didn't realize I didn't know how to fucking know what was good or bad or anything. Um, but it is it, it is a movie about a guy who is is special and needs to acknowledge that he is special. And at the end of the movie, yep, he's special, and that's what goes on. Uh, and then I, I will I will pass it to you guys. But the last thing I want to say is I'm really looking forward to the day that I feel like I can pull off Edward Norton's leather jacket from this film because I think it's the coolest leather jacket oh, yeah. in the world. Oh Just my like, god, it's awesome! It's great. And the shirts, it's, like I mean, mm-hmm. it's he's playing scumbag, but he's like the best looking scumbag of all time. Essentially, it is the Edward Norton. He was my favorite. Um, had a massive crush on him in the late '90s. He was my favorite actor, but he was always playing sort of the the lovable loser at this and Fight Club and um just these roles but yeah it was kind of like and he was he is dustin hoffman here a little bit i mean you mm. see a little ratso rizzo just like you see it um in the previous movie a little bit mendes mendelson is kind of playing a little dustin hoffman and and you also see a little gene hackman in um what besides gold i mean i can look at these 70s guys all the time and be like i know your guys when i see the younger (laughs) actors but um but rounders is a lot of fun uh malkovich the accent i didn't mention malkovich malkovich the what the fuck i love how it's you know he's known as kgb and the accent is like you can hear that in space and it kind of changes from one scene to the next scene. Yes. It's it's like, but it's fluctuating. Like he knows uh he's chewing scenery and he's chewing like the scenery's scenery, oh. but it's so great. He's having like the best fucking time ever. I feel and, so uh, unsatisfied. Yes. <laughs> and then Very he uses, aggressive. Yes, he uses a different accent on a different vowel in the next scene. And you're like, you couldn't do that line read the same way if they paid you, buddy. But I love <laughs> it. It's great. Yeah. Oh, my God. I I, I don't know if, like, Koppelman was talking about it on uh, his podcast or whatever. But but I heard I heard a story about Malkovich where, like, they were doing that scene and, and he was, you know, doing his shit or whatever. And they, they, they said cut. And like, he went, he, he looked at Matt Damon and was like, I'm the worst actor that's ever lived. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Just cause he's, it's so funny. I mean, as somebody who was in like, I, I don't know when this movie came out, it had to have been like 99 or 98 or 90, something like that. Because yeah. It was on rotation when I was in college. So like Kenny KGB is just the most quoted guy between my <laughs> buddies and me. We're just like, pay that man his money and pay him like all day. <laughs> Come in for a quickie. Like, yeah, it's the best. But the dialogue is so great. You know, yeah. What did I ever do to that guy? You fucked his mother. Right. <laughs> she was a good looking woman. Yeah. You hung out in this church for a year of your life you know mm-hmm. um but you know to jordan's point like i also do like something that doesn't work in all movies but you know definitely does for me in scorsese movies and really does work in this one is is the voiceover in this it's really mm. fun it feels yeah. like this 
down on his luck, super charming, likable guy is just whispering to us the secrets the whole movie. And like, it's really engaging and endearing and also like a fun kind of noir element that, that like the backroom dealings really develops from my experience watching it. Uh, Jordan, were you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, no, um, oh, I had it and I lost it is the, uh, the voiceover, you can also just feel like the writers emptying their pockets into this uh, script because they're just using everything. Yeah. Well, but I, again, in a way that I but love. In a way but that, yeah, that works. I mean, where they just, like, I mean, like Papa Walinda, Walinda, like Papa Walinda said, life, <laughs> life only happens when you're on the wire, you know, like just like every quote, every. <laughs> Every yeah, phrase yeah. they have ever heard a, a poker player say to them is in this movie. Like you can just feel them. It's, 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 you know, uh, Totoro in his like, kind of like, again, boomery way of like in his like, uh, Ollie like return. Uh, I guess I'll sit down yeah. with you guys. Or like, um, there's just so much of it. It's just constant. It, it, yes. It's, it's overwritten in a way that I find delicious. And I wish I'll take overwritten over underwritten, you know, like, Oh yeah. No, uh, like, what I love is when, every, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, but as far as like overwriting and writing it, this is how it works and where it works and how it should sound. And sometimes Billions is a fun show, but after a yes. while, it is so mannered. You have everybody citing the exact same movies and the exact same, like you have a 20-year-old who knows like stats from something that they would never know, uh, like a baseball game or whatever. And, and you're like, really? Would somebody know that? And and you know, everybody sounds exactly the same. And Sorkin it's kind of like it is where they sort of took the thing that worked so fucking well in this movie and it worked good for a couple seasons of billions. And then it just became the, well, this is our thing and we have to keep doing it and doing it. And it's a little too much. At least that's how oh, it agreed. sounded. Yeah. Um, as far as Matt Damon in this, I do think maybe part of how the movie didn't do super, super well at the time, it became a huge cult hit. It was because, you know, there were a lot of jokes about this is Will Hunting playing poker because it Mm. is another like, you know, this young, good looking guy who's just so gifted and just naturally, you know, brilliant. And it is a little maybe too similar to that part, but he's very good. Although I think you're watching this for all the character actors. I love Totoro. I love all the, the different roles. Norton, as we said, and yeah, Landau, just the people that pop up in small roles. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, I, yeah. I, um, it's also really, really well made. It's John Dahl. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's just it looks oh, yeah. great. Everybody looks great. Totoro and his like velvet. I like whatever he's wearing when they go to Atlantic City. Like, I desperately want that outfit. He's just it's like a crushed velvet tracksuit that it's just uh, it's so good. And, and you know, it's also that thing that, like, I think my current theory is that all old movies are retroactively getting better, better every year as movies get worse and worse. Um, but like this, yeah. <laughs> this ability for um that portrait of that New York that I have never seen. I've never gotten to be a part of the New York with like the secret never stops 
oh my God, you can go to this Greek diner and play poker at four in the morning. And you can go to the secret club where the Russians are. And then you can have a hot dog and then you go get a shave. And then, you know, mm-hmm. like that New York that again, I never, I live in New York, but I never got that I ever had that feeling about it. That like that secret in the know thing that I don't think exists anymore. And, uh, and it's really too bad because it, it's so romantic in that way of like, Again, it's hard not to get drawn in. Even the romance of like how sleazy it all is, and like yeah, you go yeah. to uh, the the strip club, and the, the you know grandma grabs Edward Norton and takes him in the bathroom, and there's a guy about to get a blowjob that they have to throw out. And uh, <laughs> it's just, this again, this like this this portrait of of this city that is that is so sleazy and dirty, but nothing bad happens because of it. You know, the word like, um, I mean, bad things happen, but that's not the mm-hmm. point of the film. It's and just like, local it's, color. Yeah. Just local color. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that Martin Landau is a judge who sits in a bar where he has his own bottle of gin. And when he says, take a drink <laughs> to Edward Norton, he play, he pours him a tumbler of gin. Like, I don't know if you notice that. Uh, that's the kind of thing <laughs> I always notice in movies is when somebody pours somebody what looks like about four or five shots worth of gin into a tumbler. Yeah. And then they just sip it. Just warm gin. Um, <laughs> but again, that you know you can always find this judge <laughs> at any hour of the night. You know, you can go. Um, and again, I think smoking. to go back smoking and, and having his bottle of gin that he keeps at the, he's at a bar and he keeps his the bottle, bottle of gin. <laughs> on the table like it's his bottle of gin and again that feels like a new york thing like oh you go to that bar they know you they got your bottle of gin mm-hmm. um and they just charge you for the bottle when it's gone and um and again i but i do think that martin landau scene it gets back to that thing of like it is somehow about this idea of like approval or disapproval in a godless universe because he explicitly it's about him rejecting martin landau's story is that he has rejected being a rabbi to become a lawyer and a judge mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it, but that is what the universe, he doesn't see God in the world, but he sees the universe picking him to be a judge. And that is the message of that movie is, um, like kind of, uh, not to psychoanalyze the guys from billions, but like, like if you, if you're good at something and somebody gives you a hard time about it, they are the enemy. Um, <laughs> really good at writing. And um, I'm always trying to find ways that movies are always secretly about making movies, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, to me, that is like the, the this film is by people who think that they are really good at what they do and everybody else should get out of their way. That That's that's mm-hmm. my read of the script. And uh, I'll never get staffed on billions now. But like, uh, oh, no, <laughs> you're like, Jen, you brought up billions. Yes. Oh, uh, no, I, I love that. I mean, you're 100% right. Because when Kanish tries to, after his bad beat, and Kanish tries to to stake, um, oh, fuck, what's Damon's name in that movie? Um, uh, Mike McDermott, is that right? Did I just Mike, that? yeah, Mike. Yeah, yeah Mike. exactly, Mike. And Mike says to him, I just throw it all away. That is not mm-hmm. what a fucking gambler says at yeah. all. This guy, I was just like, okay. And so, you know, that, that was like the one point on this watch where I was like, fucking bullshit. I'd be like, great, thanks. And be right back in there. You know what but, I mean? Like, no, but what's in- his, his, po- yeah, go ahead. No, what's interesting about that is, is and, and to jump back uh, to like, so he goes to be staked by, or 
Totoro offers to stake him in that early scene where he has the bad beat. And then later on, near the end of the film, you Matt Damon goes to him for a large amount of money. And Totoro says no. And and Matt Damon or Mike McDermott's justification for it is, well, one time I sat down at a poker table with this great, the great Johnny Chan. Yes. And I beat him one time in poker. So mm-hmm. I am special. I should have this money. And when he doesn't get it, he has to go to Martin Landau to get it, who understands that he is special and gives him the money. Uh, mm-hmm. And it really is. And I want to hear what you were going to say, Rob, but just a bit. It really is a refuge. It, it does think that John Turturro is wrong at the end of the film. Like that, that grinding lifestyle is for like which, lesser people. Which is so like the part of the movie that to me is the one that is most recognizable and honest is when he pushes back on Mike in that scene. And, you know, I never had the, you never had the stones to take your shot. He's like stones, you little punk. I'm not playing for the thrill of fucking victory here. I owe rent, alimony, child support. Yeah. I play for money. My kids eat. Mm-hmm. But like McDermott is some 25-year-old kid who's out like trying to show the world he's special, you know, and you can't what Landau says, you know, all my time, like you said, all my time studying the Talmud, I never saw God there. We can't run from who we are. Our destiny chooses us. And it's just, yeah, the, the, the movie ends up saying, isn't it great that this kid like had the courage to be as special as he is. But, but to me, it's Kanish. It's like, mm-hmm. talk to me in 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, talk to me because because Mike McDermott is Ben Mendelsohn in Mississippi Grind, you know, in what what wherever somewhere Down between Dayton and yeah, Birmingham, and um, I just I, I love Tatero in this. I love how he like slides and then just smooths around and worm. It, we were texting last night, uh, Jordan and I, because <laughs> my my buddy, who is like, it's hard to say which one of us is Mike and which one of us is Worm, and so I just sent Jordan a text message of like each each of us calling each other Worm over and over, and like <laughs> Jordan's point was is like, if I can say this, like it is a toxic movie because it, even even the rabbinical judge is sent, like Jordan is saying says leave everyone behind do what's important to you that makes you feel special no matter what and like that's easy for a guy like mike mcdermott or uh you know curtis in mississippi grind but that's not that's a that's an that's an addict you know because there's a lot Mm -hmm. of wreckage in in that way can um but the worm the worm is the the single best part of this movie is not when he beats Teddy KGB. And it's the single best thing that Mississippi grind does, which is define a friendship in the moment when Mike is at his lowest, when, when Gretchen mall has leave. And I love Gretchen mall. God, I love mm-hmm. her. She's so great. Um, Notorious Betty page. Amazing. Yeah. No one ever talks about that movie. And I love that movie, but um, it's that moment where he's at his lowest and he's sworn off gambling and his, girlfriend has left him and, and he's just like hey 
he says all this horrible misogynistic shit about like in the poker game of life, women are the race. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But then he's like, Hey, you know what I do when I'm not feeling good. And it's, it's like what a buddy does to cheer another buddy up at his lowest. And it's like the worst fucking possible thing, but it's that mm-hmm. fuck it moment. Like two friends can go on a journey together, rolled up Kings over aces, you know, fat checks, towers of checks. And then they go to Atlantic City and like, fuck it, let's go. And the music starts. It's just the best part of the movie. And the one, like the, the clip that I constantly send to buddies over and over and over, like when they're feeling bad, it's just, <laughs> it's okay, man. It's going to be all right. Fuck it. Fuck it, dude. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's go gamble. Let's break your string. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. You're, you're, you're the unluckiest you've ever been. Let's go put money on how unlucky you are. Yeah, there is a there's another toxic element that I hadn't really thought a lot about that. uh, I mean, whatever toxic can be the the overusing the term, but an interesting angle to this movie is is his attitude towards cheating, which when they get down to it is, is, well, if you're not good enough to spot cheating, then you deserve to lose your money. Yeah. Um, And it's not it's not that worm cheats that makes him angry. It's that he gets caught or he does it to people that Matt Damon respect so or you do it in my club where i could get in trouble because you're cheating at a place where i use my real name but like when they are playing poker it's great super cheat i have no i have no problems with the way you help yourself is what he says and he means it he doesn't he has no problem with the fact that he cheats at cards it is it's just that he gets caught that he's reckless about it that is the thing that makes him angry and i just think that's an interesting dynamic that does not get explored like again john Turturro has a problem with it he's like he's a fucking cheat i always knew it you know um but matt damon he doesn't feel that way about it it's just like oh yeah he cheats sometimes i cheat with him and and it's great like it's great when worm when worm lays it all out he's like i i, I there's nothing there's nothing s- sacred about this card game like I see a mark. I take them down. You like to play by the rules. I like to, to, you know, I work the angles. Uh, you know, I, I, I like, you know, I don't like to play it straight up. I never have. That's not what I do. He's just like, I am a scumbag. And he, he absolutely owns who he is. When I'm in trouble, I run. <laughs> like, and, and it's mm-hmm. like why I love worms so much because it's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Like there's no way you can dig your way out of this hole. You've got to run. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. like, Mike goes and talks to grandma and is like a stand-up guy. And I'm like, oh, okay. That, that's a guy who doesn't think he's going to get his ass kicked really, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also well, love like watching this movie now all these years later when they're at the, at the cigar club and they're all like, like orally fondling the cigars and, you know, he might beat them all. It's like, God, do you guys remember how like big cigars were in the nineties and how like it was odious, disgusting. <laughs> God damn. It was, now I see a was, cigar and I'm like, what are you doing? Well, and that is when you talk about like the billions guys or like what they like, they make fun of those cigar people, but there is just such a like the being really into Texas Hold'em poker at around that era was the exact same type of people as who oh, were yeah. really into cigars and really drink suddenly drinking martinis, which by the way, I did, you know, there were like, oh yeah, all of a sudden we're going, we're we're drinking martinis and uh, were you, you know, swing it, dancing? Did you join that I, little I, 
I, I'm not saying I never <laughs> swing dancing, but like, um, but at least that was like, like good wholesome. It was also the like the like it, it was like actual dancing with like with other people as opposed to like going to punk shows and moshing or yeah, anything yeah, else. So yeah. at least that had some kind of. But like, yeah, no, it was it was like cigars and um, that was when like oh you would chastise people who would order a medium steak or something because oh you only eat steaks <laughs> rare and drink your martinis and and yeah cigars. My, my dad smokes them. God bless, but I think they are just. Mm-hmm. Same. Just gross. Just gross. And um, I got to think that's a market that's not doing well as it enters this generation as like the cigar and the pipe market as well. But at least pipes smell good when you when you're near somebody smoking a pipe. But like, um, but yeah, it is. It's all that same kind of like masculine, like, again, like, and then this like Femke Jansen broad's going to come over. And we're going to drink whiskey <laughs> straight out of a glass and she's going to want to watch cold. poker. Yeah, her coat spilling off her shoulder. Yeah, yeah. she's gonna want to watch. <laughs> yeah, she, the, and, the clothes can't even stay on as she's entering. You know, no, no and, and no. she's gonna recognize the poker game that I'm watching on because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she's a cool girl. She's the coolest. Yes. And, and, but I'm not interested in that because um, I'm just another thing. It's like, God, she's that's another part of the character where I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's like um, Dan Mahoney, like no drinking, no girls. It's, you know, no, no, no fun. Just the gambling. It's the same with like Mike. Mike's like, no, I'm I'm either like helping my buddy or being like the wonder kid poker player. And there's nothing in between other than I'm a little sad that I, you know, left mm-hmm. Gretchen Mall holding the bag at our student meeting. It's like, come on, dude. Come on. Yeah. You're a piece of shit, too. You know? <laughs> so these are all my friends actually and uh, we hang out all the time we've got a good game that it goes on you know <laughs> piece of shit poker and uh piece of shit poker copyright yeah no mm-hmm. <laughs> the uh, guy that was supposed to copyright it he lost his shirt so now it's just whoever <laughs> no yeah it fell to me oh, yeah God. exactly Oh, well, I know those were all the ones we had time for. Are there any other gambling movies you want to give shout outs to that you recommend that you love? Um, well, I mean, I already said Pale Flower, which is really one of my very favorite movies. It's it's also my favorite Yakuza movie. So uh, I highly, highly recommend that. Um, the original Gambler with James Caan, I think, is great. is great movie. up there with Thief and The Godfather for great James Conn performances and is a truly great movie. If you want to, if you have an opportunity to hate watch a movie and you do not put any money into James Toback's pockets by doing it, the gambler is worth watching to see just the like rounders is nothing in in the, uh, in the like bad vibes department compared to the Mark Wahlberg gambler movie. It is a truly, truly gross film uh and uh, that's not a recommendation it's just sometimes it's good to watch really bad movies but just do it in a way that you're not putting money in james james toback's pockets um and then i i will pass the mic here but uh, there's a there's a series of gambling movies i've been trying to hunt down recently uh that starts with a movie called the a woman's gamble okay that is uh, a 17 movie series uh, that started in the late 1960s in japan that is about a woman's quest to become the greatest gambler in Tokyo. And there, 
I've heard people speak highly about them, but I cannot find hide nor hair of these movies anywhere online. And I'm just throwing that out there in case somebody has a Plex server or some. We know you some know, people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I just really want to check them out. I, I, yeah. Um, they look really, I think there's a, a tradition of gambling movies in Japan that I would like to explore more. So very cool. Mm. Rob. I can't wait to get in there. Yeah. I've begun that journey. No, I mean, as we all know, uh, I like gambling movies where people are, you know, not great. But the one that, you know, Heart Eight is was one that I love yeah. because it, you can feel those boots and the, the smoke. And um, mm-hmm. um, I, I have a hard time thinking of other ones right now than the ones I said before. Another really bad gambling movie, I mean, is um, Two for the Money with Al Pacino. Oh, my and, God. Pacino um, and McConaughey, right? McConaughey. Yes. And that's specific (laughs) to sports gambling. Okay. Which is another whole like blue chips is another good like basketball, but also gambling. You know what I mean? It's it's all about betting, betting football. And it's also very, very toxic. Um, But if you're hanging out with a bunch of 13 year old boys, you know, (laughs) call me up. I'll I'll give you some great, some great, great ones. Uh, Uncut Gems is great too. I think we talked about that. But yeah. How about you, Jen? Right. What what gambling movies do you like? I kept citing California Split, so I'm just gonna go with that yep. and uh mm-hmm. call it good. And you know what? If we come up with another one, we can do another round of this or we'll come up with a new topic. But I want to thank you guys so much for being here and joining me and you know, I, I doubled down today and I actually won because I got both <laughs> of you. So that's great. Yes, thank you so much. You went high low, Jordan on the high and me on the low. Oh, no. I split Thanks my aces. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, there you go. I'm not, I don't go. have any more uh, poker jargon. I'm I was going to so. say, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. I fold. Love you guys. There you go. Love you too. <laughs> Love you. Bye. <laughs> I also want to thank everyone for listening, especially my patrons who support the show and help fund my research equipment, film rentals, RSS fees, and more for as little as a dollar per month at the Film Intuition Patreon, which is the home base for the show. Other ways you can support the podcast are by sharing, reviewing, and subscribing to Watch with Jen wherever you get your podcasts, and also checking out the cool merch store hosted and created by our talented logo designer, Kate Gabrielle. You can find the merchandise store, including shirts, tote bags, stickers, and more by visiting filmintuition.com and clicking on the shop link. The show's theme music is solo acoustic guitar by Jason Shaw and is available in the free music archive. You can also reach me or interact with Watch With Jen anytime on Twitter, either at Film Intuition or our Watch With Jen account as well. Well, until next time, please take care and happy movie watching. This is Jen Johans at FilmIntuition.com and FilmIntuition on social media and Letterboxd. And this is Watch with Jen.